Good afternoon, everyone. I'll tell you what, these are the diehards. <laughs> Everybody surviving the cornet? Fantastic. Um, my name is John Vividelli, and I'm EVP of Workplace Solutions for Tango. Tango's right down there in the 200 aisle in the, uh, the red section, so please go visit them. Um, let me just say a couple of words about Tango. Tango is a technology platform, and two companies were put together, an IWMS platform called Tango and a reservation platform, some of you may know, it's called AgileQuest. So I was the CEO of AgileQuest, put those two companies together, and it's really an interesting combination. It's a holistic, pretty much one-stop shop all the way for if you are a retail customer and you have buildings that you need to figure out where to place, all the way from site selection, through the transactions, through the project management of running that building, through facilities management, all the way through to the use of that system, that, that building, and the engagement of the employees. So we kind of cover the whole gamut. So please, take, have a visit. Um, Without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce today's speaker. And the topic is metrics of happiness, workplace design considerations, and the happiness ecosystem. Jody Williams is principal of the DC office, Washington DC office of um, Callis and RTKL. And uh, she's a customer, so we really appreciate that. Jody? Thanks, John. And yes, we are a happy customer for many a year. So thanks so much for the introduction. Um, a little bit more about me. Um, I'm a workplace strategist and a change manager. I'm a huge Nats fan, so I'm having a lot of difficulty in the World Series this year. I'm kind of rooting for a meteor or something. I don't know. Um, retired soccer referee and player. Now I'm a soccer mom. It's been a weird transition. But all, all of this is all about happiness and how do we make the world a happier, better place through our spaces. So first I wanted to start with a quick definition of happiness, which is really about an emotional state with joy, satisfaction, fulfillment, contentment. It's something that we all seek every day. Um, consumers want this, patients want this, travelers, employees. We all want to be happy. Of course, no one is happy 100% of the time. There's beauty and sadness. All of these things are true, but being happy brings a lot to what we do. It's an everyday mindset. What can I do to be happy? What's fun? What's exciting? Is my workplace a good place to be? Is it? So quick, just a little quick touch point on where we are today. So the world has been changing. It's an age of digitization. Technology, AI, everything is coming together to make our lives more streamlined, more connected, easier, and better. But are they really making it better, or are they just making it more efficient? You know, we're living amongst unprecedented depression rates, record-breaking employee disengagement. These are some older stats, but you'll find these anywhere. You know, 80% of employees in the world are disengaged. 300 million people suffer from depression and from anxiety. By the year 2030, which is just right around the corner, we're going to be spending $6 trillion 
on mental health issues. That's a huge and huge amount of money, huge investment. And there are so many little things we can do today and throughout our lives to make everything just a little tiny bit better. Of course, we all know the world's emerging from a pandemic. It's a new and different environment. Geopolitical instability makes us all uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen next in Ukraine and China, with Russia, anywhere in the world. But it's given us this opportunity, and we've talked a lot about this at Cornet, this pause, this time to really rethink who we are, what we do, what's important, reevaluate how we can be happier and how we can do things differently. We're looking at demand for balance, connection, a return to values, what we've been calling at CRTKL an era of humanism. It's where happiness is the new currency. It makes sense. It makes scientific sense. There are all kinds of studies out there that will tell you how happier employees are better employees, more engaged, more productive, et cetera. It makes business sense. Of course, the happier the employees, the happier the customers, the better off the business is. And it just makes human sense because it's something that we all want, we all strive for. So we thought about this, and we worked with some partners on this. Is there a way that we could define happiness? Could we design for it? Could we measure it? And that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. So how might we measure and increase happiness in the built environment for real estate properties around the world? And we started with workplace because, well, that's what we all know and love. That's certainly my passion. Um, we think about it in terms of place. So what are the impacts that a place has on our individual well-being and happiness? What about the people? How do the people impact that? And then most importantly, and the thing that's usually missing, is the pathway. So where is that intersection? Where are things coming together? What are the initiatives and the actions that are bringing together the great places and the great people initiatives and making it real? So we've developed what we call the happiness ecosystem. And I'm going to give you a brief primer on it today. And I hope that it's something you all can take home with you and apply just in little small ways in your lives, in your workplaces. We could talk about this for two hours and get into everything, but we're going to go high level because we have 14 minutes left. <laughs> so we spent a bunch of time working with our friends at delivering happiness. Um, they're a company, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Zappos. So Zappos, they're all about great culture. Tony Shea, their former CEO, wrote a novel, wrote a book about delivering happiness with this woman, Jen Lim, who's amazing. So we partnered with Jen and her organization to look at the science behind happiness and really dive into how can we quantify that? How can we put it into some small buckets that are achievable, that are measurable? And we came up with this system, the five major truths. So meaning, vitality, freedom, engagement, and delight. And we put freedom at the center because that's the central core to everything we do. With the freedom, with choice, that's where happiness comes from. We put meaning first because that's what we're searching for is values. And we put delight last because it's more of the fun, the unexpected, and it's so necessary. From these truths, we dived deeper. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the first five, and then we'll get into the essentials of them. 
So meaning is all about connectivity with a higher purpose, getting to the values. In the workplace, you know, we talk about how our brand values are expressed in the workplace. This is trying to dive into that a little bit deeper. It's not about having our logo on the wall or being transparent. It's about really bringing in the values of the organization and the people. It's about appreciation. It's about inclusivity as well. Vitality, so health and well-being. A lot of the things that come under the vitality section of the ecosystem are tied to what you would see in lead and in well. So how are we making sure our people are healthy, our buildings are healthy, and are good for the environment as well? There's freedom. So we talk a lot in workplace about choice and control. That's something that every employee is looking for and every person is looking for in their lives. It's about control of your career, control of where you sit within a given day, empowerment to do what you need to do both in and outside of the workplace. And of course, engagement. So providing that meaningful connection between each other, a sense of belonging, where you feel valued, you feel included. And then delight, which is just associated with joy and fun. So when we look into delight, we think about things like risk in the environment, play, fun, engagement. So we took these and we divided them into 60 subcategories. So we call them the essentials. And it, this is a little bit of a eye chart. You can definitely go online and find this. And I'll send out the presentation. But this takes it down and breaks it down a little bit further. And under each one of these subcategories, there are actionable ideas. So things that you can do with your workplace, things that you can do with your HR department for your people, and then things that you can do with the pathway, that connection that brings everyone together. And what I hope you guys will do is think about these various different subcategories or essentials and think about how you can take them into your workplace. What are things that you can apply? One of the future parts of this happiness ecosystem index is the happy idea, which has not yet been deployed. But the idea behind the index is that there are not just 60 categories. There are not just 200 ideas. There are millions of ideas out there in the world. And what we want to do is to bring those together and have everybody share what their great ideas are to help make everybody else happier and better. It's not a proprietary. Happiness is not proprietary. So how do we measure it? This was the fun bit. So we set up our five truths and our 60 essentials. And we wondered how we could figure out where businesses were. So we set up three surveys. We have a baseline survey that goes out to three different groups of people. The first group is the leadership. And I, when I use leadership, I mean the people who make the final decision, invest in the decision. Then we talked about admin. We had a survey for the admin. So those are the people who implement whatever the programs are. So it could be corporate real estate, facilities, HR, whoever is doing the programs. And then we set up a survey for the employees. And the survey touches each of the five truths. We sent it out. We've tested this a number of different times and have been tweaking the scoring behind it. But the idea is to see where organizations are high and low within each of the five truths. 
And we also wanted to see where there was a discrepancy between, say, the executives and the employees or the administrative. So this is a test from actually our own organization. And I love the delight category because it looks like the executives, the orange bar, think that it's not as great as the employees do. And that's the way you want it to be, right? You want the employees to be happier than you think they are. Um, and that was pretty much true across the board, which was really interesting. I think we all give ourselves a hard time about doing better, being more than we are, giving as much as possible. And this was a nice wake-up call to our exec team to say, hey, you know what? You're actually doing better than you think you are. Um, but the reason we do this is to understand those, those gaps and to see where scores are lower. So vitality is a little bit lower in this organization. So why was that? And you get the opportunity to dig in through the survey results. We also did this, and because it was this particular example is our own people, we asked them a million different demographic questions. You'll see this is about um, gender, and we gave them six different choices of gender, so you could be whatever you wanted to be. And what we saw were two things. One, that the females were generally less happy than males across the board in all the truths. And two, the people who chose to self-identify were happier, which is really interesting. So we're chasing that down to figure out, you know, what are, the, what are some of the other correlations around that? We also looked at age, which was really surprising to us, happiness by generation. So we expected Gen Z and the millennials to score almost identically, and they did not. The Gen Z folks scored much more in line with our greatest generation, so our oldest generation in the workforce, which is really fun. They, these people showed greater happiness across the board, we, don't, we haven't figured out the causation, but there's definitely a correlation between the two. So this presentation is really to help you guys think about what you can do today or tomorrow or, or for the long term. So I wanted to, we were asked to be a little interactive. So does anybody have anything that you are doing within your workplace that is engaging people and making them happier? I know we're all trying in this great experiment. Anyone? Nobody? We have a concept that we actually um, got for from a com smaller company that we just acquired earlier th or this year. I work for CBRE, and they have a concept of I love my job. Their goal every day is to get everyone, and you're not going to love your job every day, but most days, and just like you had that whole kind of um, uh, visual of all the different things that make you love your job. And we've actually thought of surveying our own people and giving that information to managers so they can see what is specifically important to me about I love my job. Like some people might be very money driven. Some people might, you know, the wellness might be more important to them so that each manager would know on their team what is really important to their leaders and so that they can focus on that when they're helping them drive through their career. That's amazing. Did you all hear that? Yes? Okay, good. Anybody else have a fun one? We've been doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with our staff. We've been training our managers because our managers 
well, we was everybody at the general session? Our, our managers maybe are not all as managey as they need to be, but we've been training them to have the conversations, to understand why people are, are coming in, why they're not coming in to our office, and what would make a difference. And it's been fascinating to hear what that is. Again, some of it is, well, you changed our parking benefit, and I don't want to drive in anymore because it's going to cost me more money. A lot of it is, well, my manager doesn't come in, so why should I? So finding those things at, at that really specific individual level works really well. And that's one of the great things. Like if we go back into this survey, you can identify, we didn't show by department, but you can identify by whatever demographics you choose to measure, where there are gaps and where there are problems, and how you can kind of target a solution for that. If the entire organization is down in vitality, you kind of have some ideas around it's probably not going well in terms of the health of our business or we don't have enough wellness going on. But if you see one department or one office is doing differently, it's really helpful to look at this. We had an interesting experience. I should have thrown this slide in here. We surveyed, as I mentioned, all of our different offices. We had, at that point, I think 18 different offices. And the offices that came back happiest and, and not happiest, we won't call them sad, they were just less happy, um, the happiest office and the least happy office had both just renovated. And they were both in beautiful, amazing space. So when we dove into the data, none of the issues in the happiness were about the place. They were about the people. And it was fascinating to look at that and see that. So we have this one office that's thriving. They have young, vibrant leadership. They've just moved into a cool new place. Everything's good. They got a ton of new project work. That's what's really thriving. And the other office had just gone through, you know, they'd lost a big account. Everything was kind of feeling weird. They gave up a floor of their space. So it was, it was a whole just big change that nobody had managed in the way that it needed to be managed. So the answer to that was to really work with the leadership in that office to figure out what the solutions were. And then in the other offices, we were able to find some differences, particularly in the physicality of the office and the design. So we were able to deploy some small things to make it better. So in one of our offices, we, people felt like there wasn't enough teaming space. So we were able to disassemble the furniture because you know we're handy architects and we like to play with our own stuff. Um, and created a whole new work environment. And that office's scores skyrocketed because they had done it themselves. They felt engaged in it. It was a nicer place. So they're hitting the place, they're hitting the people, and their management approved of it. So there are lots of little things to do that just by diving into one section and really thinking about what's working or not working, you can make a huge impact. Okay, we have a couple minutes left. So I just wanted to put this chart back up here and to challenge you guys to look at your workspace, look at your organization through these different lenses. So thinking about meaning, vitality, freedom, engagement, delight, and the smaller things. And see if there are places where you can make a small, a small change without having to survey or anything. I do recommend surveying, and I love the one-to-one -one conversation idea, um, what, why I love my job. But by doing this, by taking data, taking a data-driven approach and applying some of these principles, you can make a much better environment. It doesn't have to just look pretty. It has to actually work. 
we hope we're empowering you and your companies and your people everywhere in the world. And that we are helping you find a way to bring your employees back to work in a thoughtful and positive manner. So that's it. Thank you all for, ooh, I have a question. Thanks so much for the presentation. Uh, Two-part question. Uh, how frequently do you survey, and who does the survey? And the second part of that question is, uh, how is it different from ESAT? So I'll say for our organization, we, serve, we do the full survey once a year. We do pulse surveys every two months or so with like five or six questions. In our ESAT, we're a wholly owned subsidiary of a much larger organization. So they have their ESAT that is their own thing that we don't get to touch. So some of the questions overlap, but not really. These are much more specific. And then we'll try and correlate the data out of the two. So if, you ha if you're in a company or you're working with a company where you can control the ESAT or any other types of general surveys, it's certainly a great place to throw in a couple of extra questions. Other questions, thoughts, great ideas? If you have questions, um, why don't you just, Jody, maybe you could entertain them over there. Um, just a quick question. Do you guys like this format? 20 minutes, boom, get some information? Great. Um, yeah, we're proud sponsors of this, and I think this is a great format for you. So thanks very much for coming. We really appreciate it. And uh, visit Tango right down the street. <laughs>